there's a lot of like qualifications that uh, a Virgil character would need to fulfill in this if we're, we're trying to replicate the same experience of Dante. If we're just talking about like who do you want to take you on a tour through hell? Then I guess it opens it up a little bit wider. But if you want to, if you want to capture the Virgil effect, you really gotta. It's got to be like who would digging. you That's write tough. self-insert shipping fan fiction with from history? Yeah, I think there's one yeah. correct answer, but I'm interested to see what you guys think first. Ooh, that's at its stakes. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. Nicholas Cage? <laughs> Who is your correct answer, Indigo? No, 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 you'll no, have no, to no. wait. We, we you'll have to, you'll have to give your okay, answers yeah, first. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll, hold today. on, we'll think about this. We'll yeah, think about ponder this. ponder it a bit. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Uh, I... Uh, not as always. I was out. I'm back. I returned. Am blue, uh, and I'm joined by Red. Say hello. Hello. I am always here, except for those two uh, consecutive episodes where I was not. Yeah, we're here, <laughs> except for when we're not. Uh, and Indigo, who will maybe say hi. Yeah, I'll nope. grace okay. you with my presence. Uh, oh, oh no! Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I see how it is. I let you rejoin the podcast, and this is how you thank me. <laughs> Yeah. With a one and a half second window to say hello, exactly. Better watch out, or you're going straight back in the closet, mister. Oh. Hey, the, the Amontillado was worth it. It was a delectable vintage. <laughs> oh, magnificent. <laughs> That's a that, that's a deep cut for all you uh, all you uh, folks who've seen the uh, Edgar Allan Poe Halloween special. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think referencing the Casco Amontillado is considered a deep cut these days, but it was a full blown meme on the internet last year. But, uh, well, I mean, but like specifically, like it's an established gag that you have canonically killed me once with the Amontillado <laughs> hey, gag. Hey, just bricked you into a basement, all right? The rest of that wasn't on me. <laughs> Death is implied. It happened off screen. Anyway, uh, I am back. Uh, we're, we're having fun. I had a blast listening to, to the episode with, with Tim last week. That was, uh, that, that was a wonderful time. But uh, uh, now uh, you're all stuck with me again. Um, Red, how have you been the past week? Not too bad. I've been uh, okay. sleeping, you know, at a, at a slightly more human time than was typical of me before. Uh, it's still, you know, 4 a.m. But it's better for me than the, the stuff I'd been doing at my bedtime before, uh, which is cool. And yeah. uh, I've been working on stuff and I've been watching a lot of werewolf media for no reason, uh, which has been a questionable experience at best. I've got some thoughts on, like, early 2000s werewolf transformation effects uh, that probably we don't have time to get into here. Thumbs up, thumbs down on watching all werewolf media. Is that a yes from you or a no? That's generally a no. I mean, a lot of this okay, I've already cool. watched. Like, I watched the Van Helsing movie. I watched Underworld a while back, you know, all that stuff. I just, I've been trying to avoid rewatching them. <laughs> just yeah, because I think rewatching them to take notes on the werewolf lore would probably be a, an even less fun experience than just watching them flat because it's like, oh, they appear to have a yeah, silver vulnerability but are vulnerable to other forms of damage. How oh, No, it's it's not fun. It's not interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Check back several podcasts from now and we'll have more to say on that. Oh, but yeah. uh, most recently, uh, you had a trope talk on... Uh, a kind of kind of dodgy trope there <laughs> the the all a dream which uh is is one of the tropes we've been getting into some some spicy tropes this year between like time skips and uh let's see let me scroll back here uh <laughs> we've got and, a spicy one coming up death, too. some some yeah. yeah some 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 spicy boys this year uh yeah. how was uh how was all a dream that's a 
That's a, yeah. that's a tough one. <laughs> it is a tough one. It was interesting. Um, a lot of times when I start writing up one of these scripts, I know going into it, you know, my opinion of the trope. That, that part's not hard. I know that I do not like the All a Dream twist very much. The, the question, of course, is why I don't like it and why people in general might have trouble mm-hmm. with it. Uh, and usually in the process of looking through the examples and unpacking the structure of the trope, it helps me pin down what exactly doesn't work. Um, and I think with the All a Dream trope, I think I hit on my, my central thesis pretty early in the process, but the more I wrote about it, the more I realized, like, the problem really isn't isn't something within the trope, it's, it's in the framing of the trope. Like, there... There's nothing inherently wrong with showing the audience something and then being like, oh, actually, uh, this was like, this was a dream. Um, th- that's not inherently a problem, exactly. But undercutting the audience's ability to trust what the story is telling them, that is a very serious problem. That's a problem, like, yeah. bigger than any actual trope problem. That's a problem between the audience and the story they're trying to engage with. Um, I, w- I was trying to figure out, like, is there anything on par with that? And I think... You know, it's it's in the same space as the unreliable narrator, where it makes you just mistrust the story on principle. And I think once you do that, it's like, you really got to make sure that you're at least keeping the audience's trust a little bit. Otherwise, they're not going to know how to engage with the story you're telling them. And once I realized, oh, you know, it's a good example of this, that weird stuff about Sherlock season four. Um, <laughs> I had an example I could build around. Oh my gosh, around. yeah. Well, but that's the thing, you know, I was like, why did that happen? You know, I've watched a lot of shows that ended poorly and a lot of like movies and movie series that kind of, you know, drop the ball after a while. But I haven't really seen many where the fandom's conspiracy theory was, don't worry guys, the authors actually really know what they're doing. <laughs> We're going to get a secret good ending. Um, like, it, most people don't... You know, when Game of Thrones crashed and burned, most people weren't holding their breath waiting for the secret good ending where it was revealed that that was all, like, a hallucination and everything else was actually secretly okay. You know, we didn't get that conspiracy theory, and it certainly didn't hang on for months. But there was something about the way Sherlock ended or something about the way Sherlock had carried itself until it ended that made the audience believe that this was a thing that could actually happen, or at least not trust the show enough to believe that what had been shown on screen was what the show wanted them to see. Which is, you know, obviously an extreme example, but I think it kind of illustrates the fundamental danger of the All a Dream trope, which is not that the All a Dream reveal is inherently bad, but that if you play with the audience's ability to trust your story enough, it's gonna, they're going to stop trusting your story, and then you will not be able to get the impact you want. when you know Because a lot of storytelling is about getting your audience to feel a certain way. You know, you you can't really control it, but you can nudge it. You know, you show them a sad scene, you are going to expect your audience to, on average, feel sad about it. You know, stuff like that. If you break their trust too much, they kind of... you, You lose that ability, because if you show them something that they dislike enough, they might be like, you're probably just messing with me again. This is probably just another dream. You know, it's like the authorial boy who cried wolf problem, you know? <laughs> you, yeah. you cried plot it, twist too many times, and now when you show them something sincerely, <laughs> they don't believe you. Yeah, it, it, it's very much a case of, of, of making the audience aware of the hand of the author. And mm-hmm. I, I think the discussion, especially in the very opening section of, the, of this trope talk, when you're talking about the relationship between author and audience and the conceit of, you know, suspending disbelief for the sake of engaging in a story, 
all the other tropes that we talk about for the most part deal with, you know, you are expected to be buying into the story and now let's talk about how you structure a plot or how you build a character or whatever. But this is like, it gets to the real fundamental stuff of what storytelling is, which mm -hmm. is creating something very separate and different that the audience is supposed to come into and feel comfortable in and begin to trust and treat as not necessarily a real thing but as a cohesive thing and when you start throwing in this this you know wrench in the gears this this rhetorical like logical you know oopsies of haha all a dream sorry uh, nothing matters you you completely destroy that relationship and just like the whole thing crumbles essentially. So mm -hmm. it's cool that this was an episode that that let you get into a lot of those more structural, like fundamental nature of storytelling kind of things. Because it's not often that we that we're able to to get to those bigger picture things. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times when I talk about why why is this trope maybe not working so well, the answer is usually because it makes the audience aware of the fact that they are engaging with a story and that an author is writing it and trying to make them feel certain ways. You know, like uh, a lot of tropes that go poorly disengage the audience like that because you know when you're when you're immersed in a story and then suddenly the writing gets bad you're like oh right this is being written by somebody who's maybe not very good at their job uh so Daenerys just kind of forgot oh, about the fleet <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean i talk a lot of shit about that show for somebody who's never watched any of it but um <laughs> it's just so easy but anyway um the thing with this trope is you know there are ways that it's done well. I mean, Over the Garden Wall is one of my favorite miniseries probably ever. Yeah. Uh, I have consistently rewatched it every year since it came out, and I just keep liking it more. And that whole thing is technically all a dream. Uh, initially, I, I, I considered doing a detailed diatribe just about how good Over the Garden Wall's all a dream reveal was, but I was like, wait, I can loop this into a trope talk much more efficiently. And I, that's yeah. what I did. Uh, that's that's fair. I. I... You mentioned in Alice in Wonderland that it's it's one of the examples that works so well because it it like overtly follows dream logic. Over the Garden Wall is a another example that is so weird at every turn. It's not quite dream logic because there is like a semblance of continuity, but the situations the characters find themselves in are so completely absolutely out there that you know the the dreamlike nature of it is is very it very much makes sense on a second viewing yeah. uh, in the context of, of what's actually happening in in, in poor old Wirt's mind um it's another good example less overt than than uh what's her name alice in wonderland where like yep. that's the whole point is that it's nonsense mm -hmm. but over the garden wall does a much more more subtle version uh of that that same effect yeah, Over the Garden Wall feels a little more like it's following fairy tale logic, you know? Um, yeah. Traveling yeah. through the spooky woods. You know, it's not that anything can happen, but like you're going to run into some strange characters and odd settings and weird little anachronisms. And uh, I mean, I, I remember when Over the Garden Wall first came out, there was like, <laughs> there was a little bit of like, wait, I thought these guys were like pilgrim children. Why is he talking about trying to find a phone? <laughs> it's like <laughs> one of the one of the first clues that something's weird is that, you know, these kids are like just regular kids from the modern day. So yeah. why are they here and what's happening? Um, and that's really solid. Uh, and Alice in Wonderland works because it's totally nonsensical. So you're, you know, when it's like, this is all a dream, you're like, uh, I yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it makes less sense that it's not a dream. <laughs> um <laughs> And then you get things like Peter Pan and uh, Wizard of Oz, where they're like, oh, you, you liked that book? You liked its whimsy and wonder? Well, just kidding. It was fake in universe. 
no adventures for you. And it's like, oh, yeah. great. That's what a kid really, really needs to hear. Anyway. Yeah, and then you get, it's like, ah, oh, how silly of you to think that we could be having fun. Yeah, whoa, <laughs> sorry I had faith in the author for having faith in their work. That, you know, a few comments pointed this out, that it really does kind of make it seem like the author is insecure about their work. Like, they don't want to... They don't want the audience to be like, gosh, do you really think this fantasy thing is, like, cool? The author has to be like, no, of course not. I I only put my characters in grimly realistic situations. All whimsy and fun must be a hallucination. Ha ha ha. It's, you know, it's just like, uh, come on, man, have some self-respect. You gotta, you gotta commit to the bit. And uh, doing the all a dream twist is frequently showing that they are not committing to the bit. The cardinal sin of yeah. art. Anyway, that was uh, that was the main gist of the All a Dream video, uh, which was actually like trending this morning. Um, I don't know oh, how really? that YouTube stopped letting me know when that was happening. So uh, oh, nuts. yeah, but wow. it, it was pretty low on the list. So I think it had probably been trending earlier and it slid down. Anyway, that was me done. Okay. Um, Darn. Yeah. Yeah. Well on the subject of uh, committing to the bit, uh, <laughs> Aristophanes, oh my God. Uh, absolute supreme commitment to every single bit all the time. I, uh, I I had fun with that. I was thinking that I would get to it earlier in the year, but many things came up. Um, uh, but I I had a lot of fun with uh, with the Aristophanes video. I was actually a little bit worried about it at first because. Um, Jumping way back, uh, the the Machiavelli uh, History Makers episode I did, I ended up being very disappointed in how it turned out because everything that I felt like I was doing was just kind of slightly off. Like, the script wasn't really where I wanted it to be. Uh, my recording wasn't, like, super great. The maps were a little bit janky and I ended up, like, completely gutting them and replacing them for future videos that did Italy. And it's like every little aspect of that was like, mm, not super thrilled. Aristophanes kind of felt like it was going in that same direction. And when I when I sent over the scripts to you, I was like, all right, here you go, Red. It's... I mean, it's, I, I think it's fine. It, it, it's a topic I really like, but I, mm -hmm. I only, you know, think I did an okay job with it. And you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then I ended up sending the, the, the rough cut to, to Indigo for, for notes on, on things to, to add. And, and Indigo, you were like, this is possibly one of your funniest videos. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? I thought this one was only fine. Where did this come from? So people liked it, uh, which is great. But I was, I was very much taken by surprise uh, by the, the, the idea that people were uh, were enjoying themselves with this video, so that was kind of a, a, a fun yeah. uh, a fun twist. Well, as I recall, you know, when when you sent me over the script, I was like, okay, what do I know about Aristophanes? Because a lot of the time, you know, I I'm not super knowledgeable in history, so when you send me over a script, frequently this is like the most I've heard about whatever subject we're doing. And Aristophanes, obviously, I knew his name, but I haven't really dealt with comedic plays very much. And I think the most that happened is I read Iphigenia. Uh, wait, no, that's not a funny one. What am I thinking of? Um, <laughs> when that old card Agamemnon uh, sacrifices his daughter. What a jokester. You, you can what see my prank. problem here. I mostly read the tragedies. Uh, Agamemnon's like, the camera's over there, bro. It's a prank. It. Uh, you know the one. The one... It's the one where they stop the Peloponnesian War by withholding sex. Um, Lysistrata. Lysistrata, that's the one. Um... <laughs> And, like, I'd read that, and that was really it. But I didn't really have the context of Aristophanes when you were, you know, talking about that. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, huh. And, like, I didn't know the thing about um, the the name of the play being what the chorus was dressed as. Yeah. <laughs> like, in tragedies, the chorus yeah. is just creepy hooded people wearing masks. And then the, the comedies, it's like, I'm a bumblebee. You want to hear the hot <laughs> goss I just heard? Which is just... <laughs> Top quality, and I just didn't know any of that. So I was, you know, I was getting all this new information. I was like, "Whoa, this is great! This is really presented in a fun and engaging way, too." You know how it is. Um, yeah. Well, no, 
I'm glad you liked it. It, it was fun because it's a, uh, it's an interesting um, piece of the Greek literary puzzle. And I spent like you know usually it takes a little bit of time to to write the intro and then that kind of helps guide the rest of the the video. Mm-hmm. I took about two days writing <laughs> what must have been six different versions of that introduction before I found one that that ended up being the one that I liked enough to to keep in the video. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, trying to figure out like okay how do I frame like the Peloponnesian War and and where like Greek theater comes into this and what Athens has to do and like all these different pieces I was trying to balance but then eventually getting to the point of like comedy was kind of like this misunderstood younger sibling to tragedy for like 50 years after it was was theoretically first introduced and then you know the the only guy we have is aristophanes but that's okay because he is the best (laughs) and the funniest guy and it's it's all we need but what i really liked about it uh beyond the plays themselves was talking about the idea of how Aristophanes work could really only have been a product of the democratic culture of Athens and that that self-criticism that that you get a little bit of it in tragedy you get a decent amount of it in the history you get a decent amount of it in philosophy but it really is the comedy where you get the most like thoroughly introspective and and like society-wide self-critical uh piece of of, of literary culture oh, yeah. in in all of of Greece and 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 certainly uh uh uh, I think he's got the Romans beat as well. So I, there's that whole thing uh, contrasting his disdain for democratic politics, but the 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 deep connection he has to the investigative discussing qualities of democratic culture, I thought was was really cool. And that was the 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 kind of twist at the end that made me feel like I was able to actually make the script work and 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 make the video have a point beyond. Aristophanes was the father of comedy because he wrote plays with dick jokes in them, which is, um, you know, uh, it's like, yeah, it's true, but yeah. it doesn't really get to the heart of it, you know? No, so I mean, uh, I feel like I got to, to really tie it into the uh, the history-making premise of the show. I mean, there's uh, a... So I ended up being satisfied, despite uh, how much of the process was like, oh, actually, this doesn't seem like it's going very well. <laughs> I mean, there is a whole through line uh, in history that you could probably make a whole video about itself, just of comedy and satire and politics because man that that connection is like all the way back uh court jesters and satires and and people making fun of whatever the ruling class is and pointing out you know observational comedy requires you to be actually like observant and capable of understanding the situation you're in concisely explaining it to an audience in an engaging and funny way and then just pointing out what's stupid about it and it's like you know, there's just so much in that space. There, there's so much depth there. It's almost dizzying to think about uh, how far back satirical comedy goes. And Aristophanes was all over that. And, you know, Athens is, you know, it's one of those uh, exemplary civilizations in the sense that it gets used as an example a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it did, you know, it did originate a lot of stuff. It, it was one of the first places that did a lot of those things at the same time. And having somebody like Aristophanes to kind of be like, hey, fellas, you know this war business that's been going on? <laughs> you think maybe this is dumb? <laughs> what if we could fix it with no sex? And it's just like, you know, obviously the premise... No bone for you. Yeah, no bone for you. Uh, the, the premise of um, uh, Lysistrata, I got it this time, is, you know, inherently ridiculous, but so is the war. It's like, why are we fighting? Yeah. Why are we fighting at this point? We could probably fix this through a zany scheme or two, you know, that... 
I don't know. There, there's there's a whole. The problem is when you start dissecting comedy, it stops being funny. Um, <laughs> so I try to avoid doing it. But uh, there, there's something there about how comedians and and sat, sat, satirists and all that, which is you know, satire based on satyr, like satyr play, like satiricon. I don't actually know. Huh. I would have to get back to you on that. I'm I'm sure there is uh, some some Latin connection in there, but. I would venture off the top of my head that the Seder connection was too far in the past for it to be the reason that it's called that. I might be wrong, but I would imagine Seder plays were not popular enough to be the reason it was called that instead of comedy, which is much more in line with what we would call satire. I'm heading to Wiktionary. Don't fear. Okay, well, well, while you're doing that, I'll I'll, I'll mention that uh, on the it subject. It is based on Seder. Ta- it's based on Seder. It is. Yeah. Uh, it oh well, well, fuck me. Everybody point and laugh at the idiot man blue Sorry, who no, doesn't know his etymology. It's not quite from it, but it was affected by uh, Saturos or Seder. Uh, but it, it came from a Latin uh, thing meaning. Okay, so it is Roman. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, thank you, Wiktionary. That's not helpful. Um. Okay, it's like, it was based on the idea of something being, like, well-fed or saturated, but also it was affected by the influx of Greece, which I remember, that happened too when I was looking into the etymology of Typhon. Um, so, it seems like you had, like, a whole Latin base for a language, and then Greek also was there, and it affected it uh, by adding implications to words that weren't there before. Which is yeah. really neat, honestly. But anyway, yeah, uh, comedy. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah, what I was gonna say um, uh, about about Athens to your point of like Athens is this very exemplary civilization uh, that it it seems like a lot of things come back to Athens, uh, and certainly there are a lot of different cultural movements in other parts of Greece that may well have been just as intricate as interesting as what we have in Athens, but we just don't have any of it because either it wasn't copied well enough or Athens stomped on it and mm-hmm. put their stuff in place instead. Um, but Athens kind of being this this big thing and what I what I say. In my, my city minutes video a byword for Greece um, is funny because in the the video that that I was not here to discuss last week um, I got an equal amount of comments saying wow blue is such a a, a, a fanboy for Athens <laughs> and is treating it so unproblematically and an equal amount of comments saying wow blue is absolutely savaging the Athenians <laughs> in this video which I guess means I did my job yeah. all right but it's it's clearly you know it's it's all wrapped up in that first line is they're almost as great as they're constantly insisting they are. They're not, but they did accomplish a lot that is worth discussing and their successes are just as important as their failures because we arguably have a lot more to learn from their failures, all conveyed through Aristophanes, Mm. um, uh, about how their civilization worked. Um, And that's part of what makes it so interesting because you have some civilizations in history that that come to us, you know, unblemished, clean, perfect, fantastic, or at least that's what they tell you they are. (laughs) But you get people like Aristophanes where it's like, no, 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 no. This place sucks, but it's okay because it's funny. And it's like, yes. That is what I want. Yep. So, I mean, you know, so it's it, it, it's good. The very basis of observational comedy is looking at your surroundings, being like, "Man, this place blows," and then saying that in a funny enough way that other people are made happy by how much it sucks, rather than sad. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so I, I I end up being very very happy with the way that video turned out, uh, even though I was not expecting to be. <laughs> so uh, a lot of a lot of grease lately. Uh, I've had to, to throw myself a few. Uh, a few easy pitches, because uh, this year has been kind of 
kind of tough between moving house and planning for a wedding. I've had a lot going on. Uh, yeah. The house is done. The wedding is still uh, a, a little bit out. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I appreciate you all uh, bearing with me as I as I uh, trudge through some uh, some familiar territory. Uh, but hopefully, I'm I'm presenting information in a in such a manner that is uh, that is interesting uh, uh, enough. And also, I'm glad that uh, a lot of people liked the 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 new version of uh, of the city minutes. The first one. Um, uh, had many problems, uh, <laughs> but the core idea was worth it. Uh, so having re uh, reinvented it, uh, I think uh, it is a really good formula going forward for for other uh, other types of um, uh, civilizations and other other periods and places in history. So I'm looking forward to to going back through those. Although I, I will also say uh, it, it is very funny that uh, when I first published these someone said this is just an excuse for you to talk about venice in another series isn't it <laughs> the answer is yes but i'm not yes. going to go there quite so fast yeah come on you gotta, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a little bit of time first you gotta save up for that one uh-huh. yeah exactly you gotta you gotta uh collect your tickets and then cash in <laughs> uh, but anyway that's uh, that's that fun videos yep um couple quick announcements before we, we transition into the Q&A portion of the podcast. Um, we, uh, we we did a stream uh, the other day, played GeoGuessr, which was very fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, starting next week um, on uh, July the 25th, 28th, and 31st, Sunday, Wednesday, and Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, we are doing a slate of charity live streams for a handful of different causes. Uh, we are going to be doing some Breath of the Wild again. Yeah. Uh, bringing back the Dragon and rush crew so uh that should be a fun time stay tuned for that we'll we'll tweet community tab all that stuff when it goes up um also uh, our next episode of the podcast we will be joined by uh our buddy max miller of tasting history yes. which will be very exciting uh he is fantastic and if you're not subscribed to his channel you absolutely should be because he's great um sunshine personified oh, uh so and then sweet. finally um on uh on monday uh this past monday by the time this episode goes up um <laughs> uh, you'll be able to listen to the newest episode of indigo's podcast movie struck uh, on which i am a guest and we will be talking about gladiator oh. uh we had so much fun and i'm so excited for you all to hear it i'm really excited to listen through that on like i i've mentioned this before but real talk movie struck is like the perfect podcast for me to listen to while i'm doing stuff i will just like put it on and then just like pace around <laughs> it's honestly oh, you just guys so fun me blush <laughs> I love nothing more Indigo. than people talking over movies. It's great. <laughs> Indigo, did you have fun with that episode, or, or was it just you suffering through me uh, explaining various aspects of Roman history to you? No, it was a delightful <laughs> episode up until I had to download the audio tracks from our recording software. <laughs> Blue had named himself Blue. What did you name oh. yourself when you entered the um, <laughs> recording um, studio? I, I, I set I set my screen name for, for Riverside, our, our recording software, as... My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, husband to a murdered wife, a father to a murdered son, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next, which apparently doesn't yes. play nice with the file downloading software. Uh, it, it makes it a little bit tricky. It's kind of just like permanently stuck in cloud storage. So the episode is um, a little rough, more roughly edited than usual, but it's still very, very fun. And uh, it was a delight to have you on. So I'm excited to... Uh... I'm excited for that to go live. I guess it's already gone live if you're listening to this. It's already gone yeah. live, yeah. <laughs> but we, so, so we in the past are excited we'll, for it to go up. I Yeah, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll throw a link in, in, the, uh, in, in the, the show notes. I'm just happy um, you're getting to see some movies you actually like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'll atone for making you watch Jupiter Ascending and talk about it for two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with that, I think we can uh, hop over to the Q&A section of the podcast. Yeah, Shall we? let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. 
Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you want to support the channel, support the podcast, continue to pay my salary and buy Cleo cat food, consider becoming a patron uh, and have an opportunity for your question to be read first on the podcast. This question comes from Queek the Charlatan. Okay. So you two have to fight Achilles. You have three days to rig up some Home Alone-esque series of traps and japes to help you defeat him. What do you set up? Well, um, first I, I get- I set up a single picture of Patroclus I... in the main room, and then as he's crying, <laughs> I stab that bitch in the ankle. I was going to say, is Patroclus still alive at this point? Because if so, I want to get him on the horn and see if he'll help us out. <laughs> that seems like, I mean, they say Achilles' only weakness is his heel, but I believe that his real weakness is his heart. Aww. Aww. See, I would go for the heel and just set up, like, an insane amount of tripwires. Just tripwires I mean, all over the floor. That would be the simple solution, but it wouldn't hurt him as much, you know? <laughs> I mean, or we could just, like, set up a bunch of, of razor scooters, which would basically, <laughs> like, chop his feet off. <laughs> all right, yeah, oh, the razor yes. scooter option is good. The tripwire option is also good. Um... Uh, do you think the heel thing is just like the Achilles tendon or like, is it actually like the part that plants on the floor? Because if so, Legos everywhere. We do that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it seems like in terms of traps, it's a lot of things happening at floor level, which makes me think maybe we're going to be too exposed up top. What sort of distracting traps we could put in his line of fire so that he gets taken out one. by the like, throw some ball bearings at him. Well, ball bearings are solid. You can also do uh, you can do cling wrap at face level in doorways. Mm. So they walk through, it wraps around yes. the face, and then the door shuts. It works better with sliding doors, but I think we can make an exception for, for normal swinging doors, too. Uh, of course, of course. God, that's good. Right, all right. Um, but really, I think we we're... Can also, we've hit, uh, we've hit... for any doors that, that do swing open, we can do the bucket trick uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then get the bucket to fall on his and head And then while he's way. blinded by said bucket, we strike. Uh, but I also yeah. think our, our real plan A is getting Patroclus on our side so mm -hmm. he can just be very disappointed in Achilles for trying to fight us for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like one of those Simpsons, like, do it for her posters, but it's do it for him, and it's just pictures of Patroclus, yeah. and that's enough exactly, to Exactly, exactly. Beautiful. Perfect. All right. Yeah, sounds like a pretty solid strategy. Um, this yeah. <laughs> he's surprisingly easy to kill with prep time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the trick is if you if you know his weakness, it's not that complicated. <laughs> no. Yeah. You think the Trojans like knew that he had a weakness but didn't know where it was, so they kept like a chart of all their various attacks. It's like, okay, underneath the left arm, definitely not it. We're gonna we're gonna try for um for right calf next and see if we can get any purchase on that. Oh, They've got a little it's like, like that graphic. diagram. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like a diagram of like planes and and like where the most common bullet holes uh, are found, and, and then like they they were reinforcing those areas, but it wasn't helping because the trick is bullet holes through other areas of the plane would just bring the plane down. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's yeah, only exactly. only the people who survived to bring back the feedback are like, yeah, I hit him in the left shin, and uh, he he didn't seem to like that very much. <laughs> yeah, uh, amazing. All right, this next question comes from the Phoenix Force to Red. Who's your favorite character you've created in your comic, Aurora? Do you have a favorite character you've created? And why? Ooh. Oh, no. Guys, that's... This is mean to everyone else on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Uh... 
I mean, I do. I, I like a lot of the characters for different reasons. Uh, in terms of main characters, fuck, I also like all of them. Um, <laughs> I think the, the, one I, I, the one I answer with first, you know, I, I do like all of them for different reasons. I think the one I like for the most different reasons is probably false. He's just interesting mm. for me to write. Um, he's, uh, he's also easier for me to write in some ways because, uh, you know, sometimes I play to tropes and, uh, there's no simpler trope to work from than a tragic backstory. So (laughs) that's just, that's just a, that's just a spa day for me, honestly, writing stuff for him. (laughs) It's easy. It's not easy for him, but I'm having a good time. Um, I mean, you you know, I like the characters, but I'm the writer. I I take pleasure in different things than the characters do. (laughs) Frequently opposite things. (laughs) Um, It's an inversely proportional relationship. It is. I mean, Mm -hmm. I mentioned in a previous podcast when someone was like, which of these guys would you be friends with? And I was like, Faust would kill me and I deserve it. (laughs) It's like, that's still true. (laughs) It's not going to get less true as the story goes on. Um, Ominous. <laughs> we'll avoid all spoilers and swerve into another question. Uh, this one comes from Aberdorf Two Blue. What is your favorite history joke? Oh, um, oh come on! Okay, Way to put uh, on the spot. so so Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's like, "Hey guys, guess what? I'm the Son of God." And they're like, "No way!" And he's like, "Yahweh." That's it. <laughs> That's the joke. Top Next question. Quality. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This one comes from S Dog Reads to all. What is some place or something that you were surprised to discover was real? For me, it was Timbuktu. For the longest time, I just thought that it was a made-up word or place that people made up to emphasize that it was a long way away. I didn't think I fully uh, yeah. realized it was a real place until high school, maybe college. So, is there somewhere that you didn't think was real until faced with just a sudden realization of, oh, people have not just been making jokes this whole time? Huh. Is it okay? Uh, my apologies to Tim. I mean, I gotta say New Zealand a little bit. <laughs> I've never been actually surprised about it, but there are parts of New Zealand where I was like, "Wait, they still have Hobbiton? Are you serious?" <laughs> um, I. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I this is this is weird, but it's like it's it's kid logic. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was very young, uh, sometimes uh, as a joke, whenever I was 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 you know someone was doing something and I said, "Wait." My dad would say, are you going to tell the Russians to wait? My dad, who grew up during, like, through the whole Cold War, basically was, was born when the Wehrmacht was still winning. Um, like, this guy, like, has been through the whole thing. So whenever I was like, wait, 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 he was like, you're going to tell the Russians to wait? But I didn't know what Russia was and certainly didn't have the context of, like, the Cold War to understand. And, like, you know, being born, like, in the late 90s, like, we only just beat them. Like, it's still a recent thing. So me, like, not knowing what the hell Russians were, like, the only thing that my mind could associate was radishes. So I'm like, what what do these radishes want with me? So I was very confused for a very long time and only actually appreciated, like, the full value of that joke, like, about, like, 15 years after the fact. I... I mean, I was kind of surprised to learn that there was a real actual Mount Olympus, uh, and it's an extremely oh, yeah. climbable mm. hill, even. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I got to say, there are, there are some places in the real world that I feel like they shouldn't be real because they are named like things you'd put on a fantasy map in the back of a book, like <laughs> the Black Sea, mm-hmm. the Netherlands, 
Death Valley. You know, shit like that. I'm like, but, but it's real, but it's not as cool as the name implies. And that makes me upset. Yeah, yeah. sort of in the uh, complete opposite direction. I didn't think that Yonkers, New York was a real place for a long time. <laughs> well into high school, because I, were, I did a lot of tech theater and we worked on a, a play that the characters started out in Yonkers and then they went to a city and I just wasn't uh. paying. I was like, Yonkers, that must be a fictional place that they made up for these characters to start in. Like, the, <laughs> Surely this is just a miscellaneous small town. And then while going to college, I took a train that went right past a sign that said Yonkers, New York and had a sudden realization <laughs> all at once that I had been the fool all along oh, and it was good. not, in fact, Yonkers I have a- that wow. was playing me. I have a completely different initial association with Yonkers because the first time I was exposed to it was in World War Z, where there was a climactic <laughs> battle there. So um, <laughs> that's where my brain goes initially, not the whimsical musical theater, there's a world outside of Yonkers direction. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, that's probably a better direction to be going in if we're, if we're being completely honest. Uh, <laughs> I want to see the World War Z musical about someone who, who grows up with with the great zombie battle of Yonkers happening uh, in their backyard and and dreams of going to the big city instead to get away from the zombie battle. I could have stopped at years at most. (laughs) Yeah, you could have stopped at World War Z musical and you would have had a really tight pitch right there already. (laughs) Well, I I needed to connect it to Yonkers. I needed to to really find the glue that binds the story together. (laughs) There are musicals of a lot of weird things. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of surprised there isn't one for World War Z yet. Yeah, honestly, the zombie musical is not a thing that really like exists, and that seems like a missed opportunity. What? Come on! I'm I sure mean, there is zombie makeup a musical is like... out there with zombies in it, but I can't off the top uh, of my head. Nothing is immediately coming to mind that uh, qualifies. So I mean, zombie makeup is like pretty simple. You can put that shit on mm-hmm. someone on stage, no problem. I mean, they they've been making musicals of things like Frozen that are mostly like really complicated VFX that they have to do some pretty crazy stage magic to to equivalent. And then you can just do like we got a guy put some pretty gross stuff on his face. And now he's singing baritone. Let's go. It's not that <laughs> hard technically our, speaking. It's going to be our Tony's bid here. We got to we... <laughs> <laughs> We've already invaded the Oscars with Time Heist, and now we're going for our Tony with whatever zombie musical we, we devise. Uh, but we'll but also, it would be easy to make zombie versions of other musicals. That's true. You know? Singing in the Brains. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to stop uh, it there. <laughs> but I didn't say it was good, just that it was easy. Musical parodies <laughs> are frequently no, easy and bad. <laughs> that is fair. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, well, this next question is not related to zombies, as far as I'm aware. Uh, from Inez Blue to Indigo. Oh, what? Me? <laughs> oh, huh? What was it like watching Red and Blue and Cyan play GeoGuessr and completely miss the fact that they were in Independence Square? <laughs> or wherever it was, well, that wasn't it. How about the part How that you called feel- us on the phone within 15 <laughs> seconds of getting there? <laughs> it felt important. It Look, it's both... Uh, that was pretty funny. It's a location that is in my was in my childhood backyard, not my literal backyard, but you know the general area. Uh, and also, I just did a, an, a National Treasure episode of Movie Struck, and that is filmed <laughs> around the Independence Hall. And it just felt like the perfect. Like, oh yeah, the, that's right. The stream was pandering yeah. to Indigo, and the stream didn't even know it was pandering to Indigo yet. So I felt like the need to like <laughs> jump in and let you know. Uh, well, Geogesser is is a fun stream because it is arguably even worse on backseat gaming than a stream like <laughs> Hades, where it's like, I know where this is, I live here, and you're messing it up, or 
uh, in the case of where uh, I was looking uh, when we were in Legoland and I was mm. looking at one of the signs for different languages and saw a very pixelated and blurry UK flag, a very pixelated and blurry German flag, and a very pixelated and blurry Danish flag, missing the two giant fucking Danish flags <laughs> right next to the sign in front of me. The chat is screaming their ears off, or screaming their screaming my ears screaming off, their I guess. Screaming their keyboards off. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, hammering away at their keyboards. It's just like, it is it's fun because it's you know it uh, on the one hand you can tune a lot of that stuff out uh and on the one uh, other hand you can you can use a lot of that information but it's it's funny because my my experience with the Hades stream was like oh my god it's just it's, it's all backseat gaming like i i'm clearly not good at this you know whatever let's be done with this and then it's like geoguesser everyone's like no you're wrong i live here <laughs> I, I moderate a lot of the streams and geoguesser is a tough one to moderate because that chat is flying by <laughs> it was like I will say that, like, the thing is, when uh, when the chat is watching you play Hades and they're like, no, equip the hammer fists or whatever, it's not like you can do that, you know? You, you can't actually take their advice. But in GeoGuessr, if they type, it's Denmark, it's Denmark, I live here, enough times, you will see it. And you <laughs> will true. be able to win. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's maybe less frustrating because the audience participation is like a thing. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. For more great stream stuff, check out the next couple of, ch- couple of charity streams we got coming up uh, yeah. in about a week or so. Um, Have we figured we'll out what Breath of the Wild challenge runs we're going to be doing? I know dog percent. We're probably going to be doing dog percent. Probably, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. like and, and memory percent. I think that that means we don't have the third one locked in, but. Uh, no, 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 no. Red dog percent will, will probably will take, take us, us all three what? streams. It's a long time. Okay. There it's, are a lot of dogs I, in that game, and they are spread out over a very there, wide amount of the map. <laughs> There are a lot of dogs in that game, and I I will maybe be able to to consistently boomy zoomy by the time we have the stream. Mm-hmm. I will not be able to BTB. Uh, uh, I will not be fast. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, we all remember how the dragon rush went. Let us not set any expectations of multiple achievements being made. <laughs> oh, was it not fun when we walked back and forth to Kakariko on foot four times to go talk to Impa? Well, I <laughs> had fun. But I think I was just doing the uh, the Zelda impression like half the time. Yes, you were. As some, I edited like, the super cut of those two streams, I remember, but what both of you were God, doing so very funny. clearly. <laughs> hey, speaking of super cuts, uh, th- th- there were some, some some funny moments in that GeoGuessr stream mm-hmm. with uh, sh- chat, no, no advice, we'll let us figure it out on our own, and then immediately getting dropped in Venice. <laughs> yep. in a uh, gondola just in Venice. Cackling, laughing. That was funny. So oh, wonderful. Uh, but we'll move on to some other questions here yeah. before we get stuck in st- reminiscing fondly over past streams uh, oh. too much. This question comes from Tim the Dragon Rider. To both, what is your favorite dinosaur and why? <gasps> Ooh. I mean, I gotta rep my boy Deinonychus. Mm, that mm. sweet-ass rending claw. You know how it is. Oh, the, yeah. The, the toe claw dinosaurs are always really cool. And it's like, I believe that the, the popular image of the Velociraptor, thanks to Jurassic Park, is closer to what an actual Deinonychus yes. would have looked like, because Velociraptors were about chicken-sized and very, very angry. Uh, mm-hmm. So so that's my boy, my boy Deinonychus. I would, I would probably say uh, the Argentinosaurus, which is a... Uh, which is a very very big dinosaur is one of one of them big chonky boys uh, because I um I was uh, in the audience of uh, John Green's virtual book tour for um, for the Anthropocene reviewed where we did an exercise where basically we were making like a little like 
Anthropocene review type thing for the Argentinosaurus, and I in chat pointed out that its neck is so long it probably cannot even see its own feet, and John thought that was funny, Aww. so he put it in, and I was very satisfied with that. Aww. So Argentinosaurus is on the list. <laughs> I oh dang it, there was a I there was a very very tiny dinosaur whose fossil was in the fossil lab I was in. And I remember I drew an adorable little version of it with like a big googly Aww. eye. Uh, and it, it, it was one of them helmet head dinosaurs uh, with the really thick yes. skull roof, which fossilized yes. really well. But yes. I don't remember what kind it was, unfortunately. Um, mm. And unfortunately, looking up tiny dinosaur helmet head did not get me the uh, <laughs> results I was hoping for. <laughs> There's, I think, few things harder than trying to identify a dinosaur by, like, descriptive terms in Google. Because I've had, I, to peel back the curtain on what I spend my free time doing, I've tried to do that a few times, being like, I vaguely remember this dinosaur from when I was a dinosaur kid, but, like, I don't remember what it's called. Let me try Googling. It's like, long neck, two-leg man. Like, it's just, there's no good amount of keywords. Um, no. I'd say my, my favorite dinosaur is probably the pterodactyl, because that is what, um, Kira, the Yellow Ranger in Power Rangers Dino Thunder Zord was, and I'm I'm a simple bitch at heart, you know. I, <laughs> like to stick I to must the regrettably inform you oh, that, no. as I recall, pterosaurs are not technically dinosaurs. They're a, the kids they're don't a know different blend. Well, they should. They're a different branch on the cladogram entirely. Uh, Shred, it's okay. They'll never know fine. if we just say it confidently <laughs> enough. <laughs> but it's important for them to know that I knew. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indigo she slips read... a twenty to whoever's in charge of the like the Linnaean taxonomy of dinosaurs. <laughs> There's a scientist somewhere who's just got like a giant chart in the back. This is a giant taxonomy in the background. And he just takes like a magnetic pterodactyl and moves it to a different branch on the wall. <laughs> Dude, I mean, well, no, like you joke, but we had to do cladograms in my dinosaur science class and we were rearranged because it's like, you know, the way you mostly do a cladogram is by where traits appear because usually when a trait evolves, mm-hmm. most of the dinosaurs in that line then have that trait, but not always because there are some things where it's like they've got traits that seem to come from two different lines. So how do you arrange them? And the answer mm. is nobody fucking knows. <laughs> nobody knows for sure, which is why if you get... Like the same set of about a dozen dinosaurs and the same cladogram to to a bunch of people, they were all arranged them differently because it's like, well, maybe it evolved this and then the trait disappeared in subsequent generations and then reappeared here. You know, even if you Occam's razor it, there's a bunch of different ways you can rearrange them and none of them are necessarily correct. <laughs> so, <Aww. laughs> I, if there is a big guy with a with a huge cladogram in the back room, he is constantly re- re- rearranging that motherfucker, and you know it. Yeah, because he's he's taking so many bribes. <laughs> <laughs> the devil works hard, but the man with the giant cladogram works harder. Uh, this next question comes from, from uh, Thistle Tickler eighty nine to everyone. I live in Scotland, a twenty minute walk from caves with Pictish carvings. East, Ooh. oh man, East Wemis Wemis Fife. Cool. I'm so sorry. Uh, East Wemis Fife. Uh, what is your favorite place to visit near you? Fun fact, Wemis, oh god, I can't pronounce that. Wemis means caves, so calling them <laughs> Wemis Caves is like saying cave, Sahara cave. Desert. Cave Cave. Cave Cave. It's, cave Cave. <laughs> it's the Jake yeah. Long American Dragon, Jake Dragon American Dragon effect. Um, so what's oh, a, well, this is a bit of a dodgy question to ask without like outing our particular city blocks. Maybe just like is there a coffee you, shop you like frequenting in in your yeah. in your general region of the U.S. Maybe like a national yeah. park or similar thing nearby yeah um 
It's fully cheating, but I really enjoy going to Central Park. Uh, mm. <laughs> I, uh, hey, every chance mine. I get, I, I, no, it's 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 my go-to. Central Park is like, listen, I I like walking places, and Manhattan is mm-hmm. small enough that I'm always like, it is not impossible to walk from point A to point B on Manhattan, so I don't need to worry about a car. And then there's Central Park in the middle deceptive that's like yes come walk in me it's great my paths are definitely not winding and frequently poorly lit at night have fun um i remember i had one fun experience where i was uh, i was in central park i'd been walking around with a friend and the sun started going down and i realized two things i realized the path we were on did not have lights and oh. though I could see buildings in every direction, I was unsure of how to get out of the park. Um, <laughs> it, it gave me big, like, lost in fairyland vibes. I felt mm. like I was going to get whisked away by Titania yeah. any minute. Um, yeah, a gentleman came up asking you for your name, and then you just started running. <laughs> <laughs> a dude introduced himself as Rob Goodfellow, and I fucking booked it. <laughs> that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty par for course for what walking around New York is like, I feel like, most days anyway. So he might as oh, well. Oh, yeah. The Unsleeping City was uh, not a far-fetched development for Brendan Lee Mulligan. It was not. <laughs> Dude, Brendan Lee Mulligan is New Yorker born and bred. You can straight up tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Top quality. Um, I don't necessarily have a place. See. Red has um, claimed my current city of residence uh, for her bit. So Mine, I will go baby. back to my, <laughs> my childhood home. Uh, I grew up around Philly. And if you're in the greater Philadelphia area and you want to go to a cool historical site, but you're thinking to yourself, Indigo, I don't know which historical site is the best one to visit. There's so many and they all seem to have so many things to do. Uh, the the correct answer is that you want to go to the Constitution Center, because while it is not actually a place where history happened, it has all these metal statues inside of the Founding Fathers that you can take funny pictures with, and it's a lot of fun. Um, it's very neat. Don't, don't go to the Mint. The Mint is terrible. Go to the Constitution Center. Hang out. They always have rotating exhibits. It's a lot of fun. Lots of neat stuff. That's that's my uh, neat place near me. I don't know if it's a natural formation necessarily, but it, it's it's fun nonetheless. This isn't the answer to the question, but my piece of fun Philadelphia trivia is the time that when I was like, like, I must have been like 10, uh, my dad and I went to Philly uh, on a trip, uh, and we did this whole, like, tour thing where it was, like, dinner and these, like, you know, historical figure impersonators show up. (laughs) For whatever reason, the dinner was delayed by, like, an hour, but the guy who was playing Jefferson did not quit. (laughs) This guy was, like, taking questions, talking about stuff. Eventually, I was, you know, 10-year-old me is like, Mr. Jefferson, do you think that it would be a cool strategy if we went to go invade Britain? He's like, I've never thought of that, but you know what? They wouldn't expect it. (laughs) This guy was the coolest. A from one of the Green Brothers and Thomas Jefferson. (laughs) Yeah. There was actually Um, a... um... Let's... (laughs) There was I think a. Of what my, my actual answer is. I'll, I'll give you some time to ponder because there was a. I'll tell yeah. a little tangent about Philly while we're on this. There was a Ben Franklin impersonator uh, who, d- who did very similar things to what you're describing, Blue, but he actually got to meet the Queen of England because he just sort of like got. In, he just sort of like queued up. He just got in line um, while all these like dignitaries were getting ready to go meet the Queen when she was in Philadelphia. <laughs> and he made it to the front of the line just dressed as Ben wow. Franklin because no one thought to question it. And he just gave her a little, he's like, oh, welcome from the city of Philadelphia. Uh, And she's like, oh, great. Who is this man? Thank you, Ben Franklin. Thank you, Ben Franklin, I assume. 
Oh, He's no. great. The queen proceeded to slap him. <laughs> <laughs> the nerve after your little colonial nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I do have an answer, and it's kind of a basic bitch answer, but... Uh, Dude, I said Boston Central Park. Common, Come on. Well, <laughs> similar. The Boston Common is, is very cool because, obviously, it's a lot of nature. The cool part of the Boston Common is actually not the Boston Common. It's the public garden, which is mm. separated by one very small street. It's much prettier. It's got a pond. It's got cool bridges. It's got a lot of fun trees and pathways and statues and stuff. The Boston Common itself is actually it's just kind of empty. That's mm-hmm. why the, the city is putting actually a lot of money into refurbishing it. <laughs> um, but the, the public garden is really cool. And there's this huge just like stretch of... Um, of of green space, the Comav Mall, that's like in between this this huge roadway on two sides. So from uh, from the the public garden down to like basically like Kenmore Square, right next to where mm-hmm. the the Red Sox play, is just this whole like like a mile and a half, like two miles of just green like park. It just goes, and it's not very wide. It's like it's it's inside two streets, but it just it goes forever, and it's so nice. Yeah. yeah, super, super It's also nice. a very common location for uh, student films to be shot. Speaking as someone who shot part of a student film there one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really easy <laughs> to get there without, like, uh, totally having all of the permits that you're supposed to have. Uh, it's, it's very easy to just run and gun shoot there. Um, but I think right, we're, yeah. we're, <laughs> we're coming up on time for the podcast. So we got time for, I think, one last question here today. And this, was, uh, this is a juicy one, guys. So this comes oh. from the, <laughs> the first Earl of English to all. If you were Dante Alighieri and you had to choose someone, that being a person you don't know, so like a celebrity or similar, living or dead, to take you on a journey through heaven, hell, and all in between, who would you choose? Who's your guide Hmm. through the circles and mountain? Oh, boy. Well, this is a tough question because you want someone who knows their way around Mm -hmm. but also has something to teach you and who also you have like like way too much professional and probably personal reverence for in the mm-hmm. case of Dante to Virgil. So there's a lot of like qualifications that uh, a Virgil character would need to fulfill in this. If we're, we're trying to replicate the same experience of Dante, if we're just talking about like, who do you want to take you on a tour through hell? Then I guess it opens it up a little bit wider. But if you want to, if you want to capture the Virgil effect, you really got to, it's got to be like, who would digging. you That's write tough. self-insert shipping fan fiction with from history? Yeah. I think there's one yeah. correct answer, but I'm interested to see what you guys think first. Ooh, that's added stakes. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. Nicholas Cage? <laughs> <laughs> Who's your correct answer, Indigo? No, 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 you'll, no, have no, wait, you'll have to you'll have to give your okay, answers yeah, first. We'll, we'll we'll, hold on, we'll think about this. We'll yeah, think about ponder this. it a bit. Because I, I read these questions ahead of time, so I have a little bit of an advantage here. I have time to, to yeah. had time to ponder it. I'm interested to see. Uh... Wait, um, does fiction count or is it living or dead? Oh, God, fiction counts. That opens up a whole other thing. It says living or dead and celebrity, so I think the implication is that it's a real person. Okay. Yeah, dead. yeah, real person. Okay, okay. Hmm. Oh, I might need to look oh, up. I've got one. Oh, this yeah? is this is kind of a meme answer, but I think it would be hilarious to be taken on a tour through hell by Rick Steves. <laughs> 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 this is off the beaten path. It's a fun little spot. There's a great cafe. It caters to the locals. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so that's a solid thing. Yeah, no, that's pick. my answer. Rick Steves. <laughs> I, hmm, I mean, I'm kind of tempted to go for one of those, like, badass lady pirates because Ooh. i mean let's let's be real if you're if you're doing the if you're doing the virgil question the real question is 
who from history do you want to bridal carry you? <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess mm-hmm. I don't really have that strong of an opinion, but maybe <laughs> Anne Bonny. <laughs> Yeah, nice. just, just rip Anne Bonny out of Assassin's Creed 4 and off yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you want to show me around and maybe tenderly take care of me when I keep fainting? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can play it by ear. It's cool. Those are both excellent answers, but I regret to inform you that you're both incorrect. There is one correct person throughout all of history to guide you mm-hmm. through hell. Now, you have to consider here the qualifications required, right? You need someone who has who's going to clearly explain all that you're seeing and make it accept- accessible to you regardless of um, your lived experience. You know, you're trying to introduce these various circles to oh, you. Oh, fuck you, Indigo. I know exactly now, where you're going with this. <laughs> you, you, you also need someone who's going to make the trip a little fun, you know? Because it, it can be a downer to go through hell. And you want So you want someone with charisma, someone who's going to really spice up the experience. Uh-huh. And, and I think... I think finally, if you if you consider that, if you consider that this is your your sole travel companion who's really taking you through the um, death, despair, and depravity of hell, the triple D, if you will, and the only correct answer to bring you through all of hell God is Guy it. Fieri himself. God damn okay. it! <laughs> well, I, I, for the record, I have also changed my mind. I want Steve Ir- Irwin because he's going to be uh. wrestling the fuck out of everything. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, this god, right here is a primal archangel. God damn it. Uh, you know, it's the, the diners, drive-ins, and dives of hell must be fascinating. Oh man. That's good. That's good. That's Thank pretty you. good. Thank you. But wow. now I'm just imagining the whole the, the Steve Irwin approach. Like wrestling somebody down from the circle of envy. <laughs> be like <laughs> This fella right here has got his eyes sewn shut. <laughs> Makes it a little harder for him to see me coming. <laughs> it's just like, wow, Steve, I didn't know that about hell. <laughs> uh, I like the Guy Fieri approach, oh, too, because he's already man. dressed appropriately with the flames for hell. Like, he's already <laughs> matching the aesthetic. <laughs> it's and he's got the sunglasses, so he doesn't, you know, it's got eye protection. Oh, perfect. fuck, I just remembered a joke D&D character I made ages ago. Uh, <laughs> a, a drow ranger who comes from the land down under. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. Steve. A classic, a yeah, classic we've definitely drow talked background. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I th- read, wow. I know you've just uh, jogged your memory cool. for that D&D fact, but I, I do have to ask you to jog your memory once more to take us out here. Um, uh-huh, if uh-huh. you're If you're prepared for such a challenge. Psh, you know I am. <laughs> Um, right, so. Not too confident now. Oh, wow. So right. everybody. Wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, there's more podcasts. You can listen to it through your podcast distributor that you presumably listen to this podcast through. You can also listen to Indigo's podcast, probably hey. on the same platform, but not mm-hmm. in the same place. You know mm-hmm. how this works. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with, uh, our, our boy, Max Miller of Tasting History, which is going to be cool. Um, and of course we'll be streaming next week, which is going to be exciting. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll actually have the paraglider this time and talk to Impa and other such apparently important prerequisites for unrelated quest lines. Um, <laughs> and until next time, I've been red. I've been blue. This has been an overly sarcastic podcast. How about that? Very nice.
Yeah, you, like, I, I don't think mm. you mentioned that. We have a YouTube channel that you can Oh, find. no! <laughs> Six out of ten. And we also have a YouTube channel that you probably already knew about, because come on. Well, too late, yeah. too late. Ah. We're gonna cut the tape, cut the tape. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on August 4th with special guest Tasting History, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out our YouTube channel and Discord. Got a question for the pod? Head over to the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.